His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. Oh Lord, I just, I thank you for your presence, God. It's just awesome. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just help me to share um, what you've given me. And Lord, that it would just do your good work in all of us. Lord, just open our hearts to receive, and I just ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, this is uh, really just something the Lord is doing in me, and I'm really kind of hoping (laughs) that it touches someone else, but if it doesn't, then you guys can just all be rejoicing with me for what it's doing in my life. So um, I'm going to read Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee, into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. So we can see here that Peter believes himself to be a very loyal disciple. (laughs) And after all, why shouldn't he be? I mean, he has weathered the storms with Jesus, and he's been through all the persecution up to this part. And you know, why would he not go all of the, all the way with Jesus? Peter was a passionate man, and he was passionate about his commitment to the Lord. And, you know, if you guys look at people who are following the Lord and you see that passion in him, you can kind of see Peter was committed. I mean, this is who he was, and there's no way. You know, I mean, he really, really believed that. And um, a little further on, Jesus, you know, you know Jesus trusts Peter, too, because a little further on, he asked um, Peter, James, and John to go with him uh, to the garden and to wait and watch and pray with him. And as committed as they all were, none of them, not even Peter, was able to stand watch and pray with Jesus. And Jesus gets arrested at this point. And so passionate, dedicated Peter cuts off the ear, you know, of the soldiers. And Jesus, of course, heals it because that wasn't, you know, Jesus's heart was not. (laughs) It's like, hold on there, Peter. (laughs) So, you know, um, Peter was just passionate and everything he did was full of passion and he believes in Jesus and he's willing to lay his life down for him. I mean, he he stood up there and he cut the guy's ear off. I mean, he was willing, you know, to die. And um, it was I'm going to fight the good fight no matter what. That was Peter's heart. And then we read in Luke, Luke 22, 54 through 62. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. (laughs) Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. 
man, I am not, Peter replied. And then about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And this is the part that just really struck me was the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. (laughs) And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he'd spoken to him. And before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And scripture says he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter has now done the very thing that he never thought he would do. He's denied his Lord. And he's suddenly struck with the reality of these actions. I mean, can you imagine that? And Jesus was looking at him. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And Peter, this very passionate, committed servant, this man who was with Jesus, he walked with him and he talked with him. He shared in his life day to day in every way. And Jesus trusted him. And he witnessed all the miracles and he saw the uh, miraculous provisions and the dead raised to life. I mean, he was on the mountain and saw Jesus shine as if the sun and Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. And he heard the voice from the cloud say, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Peter was there. Peter is not having trouble with faith. You got to understand that. He believes. He's not struggling. His faith is solid in this, you know, he believes in this. And no way was he going to deny Jesus. And after all the, you know, everything they went through together, not even after he after all he'd witnessed, he was all all in. You know, he was going all the way and he was going to proclaim Jesus and his truth no matter what. So why if Peter was so solid in his stand? Why did he deny him? The issue for Peter was he hadn't experienced the no matter what part yet. (laughs) No matter what. Sometimes we know (laughs) what we know to be true is based only on our current level of experience. And Peter knew in his heart of hearts that he would stand with Jesus and defend him. But Peter didn't know he was going to face this circumstance. And this rocked him to the very core of who he was. (laughs) Peter believed his words to the Lord. He believed with everything in him that he would never deny the Lord. He wasn't just giving up lip service. Peter didn't know what was in him. Peter didn't know he had that kind of fear. Peter didn't know that it was in there, yet Jesus knew it. So faced with this incomprehensible situation, Peter denies the Lord. And at that moment, the last denial leaves his lips. Jesus looked straight at him. Can you imagine the impact of that moment? (laughs) Peter's eyes meet the eyes of Jesus at the very moment of denial. And Peter wept bitterly. Peter knows he's really messed up, and he can't fix it. So after he finishes weeping, like anybody, he gets up, and he grabs a long rope, the strongest one he can find, and he (laughs) runs to the nearest tree he can find, and he climbs to the highest branch, and he ties that rope on as solid as he can get it, and then he places that noose around his neck, and then he stands there, and he hollers to the world, There's no more hope, not for me. I'll never fulfill my destiny because I failed. I failed Jesus when he needed me most. Poor Jesus. He was counting on me 
do you understand? He was counting on me, world. <laughs> All is lost. And then he leaps off of that branch, putting to death forever the call on his life. Right? Isn't that how the story goes? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how the story goes. <laughs> but Judas, <laughs> Judas did do that. In Matthew 27, 3 through 5, we've read that story. Judas you know, betrays the Lord, and he gives him up, and, you know, with a kiss, and all of that, and then he's feeling all this remorse over it, because, wow, (laughs) you don't want to be that guy, right, (laughs) and he didn't want to be that guy either, and he goes to the chief priest, and he tells him, you know, I really messed up, and they're like, sorry about your luck, really, (laughs) and he throws the money at him, and, uh, you know, Judas goes off, and he hangs himself, you know, he betrayed the Lord, (laughs) And when he realized what he'd done, it was too late. You know, to him, it's too late. So why didn't Peter do that? Wasn't it too late for Peter too? Why didn't Peter just go hang himself? You know, he could have. I mean, (laughs) he wasn't very popular. Uh, Peter could have put one arm in and then the other arm in, that cloak of shame. You know, if you guys ever put that on. I do. <laughs> I put it on. Then I put the other on. Then I get it on real cozy. That cloak of shame, you know. And then you put the hood up, you know. <laughs> you know, and you walk around like this. Woe is me. <laughs> I am so bad. <laughs> Peter could have done that. He could have walked in that forever. And um, <laughs> with woe is me on his lips, sinking deeper and deeper into depression, unable to be any good to anybody or anything. And he just could have gone through life viewing himself as this complete failure in his own eyes. (laughs) And eventually, he would convince everyone else around him that that's what he was. Because when you stay in that mindset very long, you begin to look like your mind's eye. (laughs) But instead, (laughs) Peter grieves his actions, and he weeps bitterly. I don't think it was just because he felt bad for what he did. All right, this is, this is what I believe the Lord has shown me where this is all concerned. I believe at that moment when Peter's eyes met his Lord's eyes, he had a revelatory encounter with Jesus that changed him forever. I believe Peter saw himself for the first time as he was without Jesus, but also in that moment when his eyes met Jesus' eyes, Instead of condemnation, he met love. I believe Peter encountered forgiveness. I believe at that moment, Peter encountered a love that said to Peter, I keep no record of wrongs. Peter wept. He needed to weep. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to weep. And Solomon says there's a time for weeping. But there's a time to get up. We can't stay in that place. Peter gets up from his weeping, and he had a choice to make. He had the same choice presented to him that Judas had. He could run. He could hide. He could hang from a tree. But Peter just had an encounter with the Lord. And for that moment, Peter wasn't looking through his own eyes. Do you understand that? He wasn't seeing Jesus' eyes is what he saw. And he was looking through the eyes of Jesus, and it changed his whole perspective. Peter had a broader view. When we see through the eyes of love, we're able to see truth. It broadens our vision. 
Peter was able to see the truth that even though Jesus knew he would deny him, he still wanted Peter with him, and not just in the garden, but always for eternity. He had, Jesus had a bigger plan for Peter's life, and he wiped Peter's weeping eyes, and love set him on a path toward destiny. Judas had the same chance. We have got to understand this. We cannot stay in a place of defeat. Judas could have chosen life. He could have encountered love if he had been willing to receive it. You know, but we could say, but surely he was willing. I mean, he was with Jesus. What separates Judas and Peter? This is my question to the Lord. And I believe Judas had a heart blockage. I believe Judas, and if you read the word, I think this lines up. He was bitter, and he had tons of unforgiveness. I mean, he had lived, you know, under just as a nothing, basically, because all the Jews were. And it kept him from, because of this bitterness and this unforgiveness in his heart, it kept him from being teachable. He couldn't be taught truth, and he couldn't receive it. And because of bitterness toward himself and others, when faced with trouble, he could have stepped into a greater work in Jesus. He instead chose to step off a branch and hang his destiny on a tree. A while later, after Jesus was crucified and he died and he was buried, and the disciples are, you know, really distressed, uh, the way they thought it was going to go wasn't how it was happening at all. You know, but this, uh, this is amazing, amazing to me because instead of fleeing a city where everybody wants to kill him, I mean, the disciples are afraid, um, and they should have been. <laughs> they remembered Jesus telling them, though, about his resurrection. And although they're afraid and they're grieving the loss and it makes no sense to them, and now they know the death of Jesus is changing everything around them. Just kind of like a change of season. When we're in a change of season, um, the atmosphere gets confusing. And when we change from winter to spring, as we can clearly see, <laughs> we can have snow one day and rain the next. And it can be 70 degrees and sunshine the next. And that can happen in Indiana in the dead of winter. But, <laughs> but in changes of seasons, the weather is really... The atmosphere is just very unstable. And the disciples were going into a new season, and the atmosphere was definitely changing for them. And John 20, 19 through 23 says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after, these, after he said this, he showed his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was a commissioning of a new season for the disciples. And this season, Jesus wasn't going to be with them physically any longer. But this season was going to be, I mean, he'd be with them in spirit, but you know what I mean. But anyway, it was going to be marked by Holy Spirit power. He breathed on them. So this was a definite change in a season. Jesus was going to be with the Father, but now we have the Holy Spirit. Peter could have missed all of it. I mean, can you imagine what the Bible would have looked like if Peter would have jumped off the tree branch? <laughs> he could have missed it because of unforgiveness for himself. 
in the, uh, for mistakes that he made in the last season. You know, this last season, we've all made mistakes. Are we going to hang our destiny on a branch? <laughs> he could have been so focused on what he did wrong that he wouldn't be able to focus on the work still ahead. Peter could have let the grief of his moment of denial keep him from stepping into his destiny. Instead, he could have stepped off the branch of a tree unto death. But Peter chose the love that keeps no record of wrongs, <laughs> no record of the wrongs for himself or anybody else. I want to mention Paul real quick right here. Paul was another man who was diligently committed to God. You know, he found himself to be doing the things that were contrary to God's heart. I'm speeding up because I feel like I've been really going long. I've got my timer on. <laughs> Paul was coming against the new move of God out of ignorance. He didn't have the true revelation of Jesus. Or, and so God, in his mercy, reveals it to Paul in Acts 9. And he encounters Paul with truth and blinds him. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Sometimes we need to be blinded to everything else around us so we can see who Jesus is and what we are without him so we can be changed into who God has created us to be. God had created Paul to be a vessel to carry the good news of Jesus, but Paul was killing the servants of God <laughs> in order to serve God. Yeah, you talk about <laughs> messed up. <laughs> he was doing it all wrong. And once he encountered the love of Jesus, he understood it. And he could say he was the worst of sinners. I mean, I felt that way myself. <laughs> Paul could say, I really was the worst of sinners. But because he was forgiven much, he understood the love that keeps no record of wrongs. And he was able to say, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which, is, uh, which has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. We've entered a new season. If I can get a hold of my page. And we cannot afford to carry the baggage from the past seasons into the next one. It's only going to weigh us down. <laughs> like Peter and Paul, we've got to let it go. <laughs> Jesus is not keeping a record of our failures. He tells Peter, then feed my sheep. In other words, move on. <laughs> Do what I did. Do what I'm doing. Do as I taught you to do. I feed my sheep, now you feed my sheep. That's it. You go. Um, move on with me into the work I've called you into. And the incredible thing is, Peter actually does it. That is incredible. He actually does it. He believes the Lord, and he goes on, and he preaches the gospel, and he heals the sick, and he feeds the lambs of God because he's able to let go of the past and walk out his destiny. Peter realizes he's weak. He realizes his perceived failures and all of his fears are not what define him. <laughs> Jesus defined Peter in Matthew 16 when he said, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell <laughs> shall not prevail against it. That's what Jesus said to him. Jesus defined him in that moment, and did he not live that out? Jesus defines us too. 
all throughout his word, but the one that Greg and I were talking about not very long ago, Ephesians 2.10, I don't ever say that right, I don't know how you say Ephesians, <laughs> but 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. <laughs> he already mapped it out. We get to make the choice of whether we walk it. Peter wasn't perfect but he was a masterpiece destined for good. And Paul wasn't perfect, but he was a masterpiece destined for good. And you and I are not perfect, but we are masterpieces destined for good. And here's more good news. Perfection isn't required. Yay! <laughs> He's not asking for our, uh, our perfection. He's asking for our obedience. Into the calling he has already prepared for us in advance. <laughs> I've been asking for revelation to know what I'm called to in this season. I think we were told to do that. <laughs> and so here was my big revelation. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm called to love. <gasps> First and foremost, <laughs> we are all called to love. Jesus tells us in John that if we love him, we will obey his commands. And in Mark 20, 30, he says, this is the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there are these. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm like, wow. And I remember Teresa Sharon on this once. And she said, if we can't love ourselves, then we're not going to love our neighbors. And um, <laughs> I started thinking about that. But I wanted to touch on this real quick. There's, you know, the whole First Corinthians thing, and it says love keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects. It always trusts, and it always hopes. So even in these dark seasons, we can persevere in love because it always perseveres, and we can have hope if we choose to because it says that's what love is, in our, and Jesus is in us, right? So we need to love first ourselves before we can effectively love our neighbors, and she told me that once and it's like Kristen you need to love yourself it's like yeah well God's telling me I need to love myself what <laughs> loving ourselves means keeping no record of wrongs against ourselves it means it's okay to protect our own hearts if we need to it's okay and being kind to ourselves and being patient with ourselves is righteousness I just, I know this is probably not a revelation to all of you, but that was like, oh my gosh, it's righteousness to be patient with myself. Wow. <laughs> I believe the Lord's been showing me that if we want to be fruitful in this season, there's no room for looking back in any area. If you're dealing with a sense of failure, guilt, or shame, if you still have places of unforgiveness for yourself, your spouse, your parents, your children, or whatever, or you find yourself looking back and saying, if I had only, or they should have, um, or whatever the thing is, uh, hope deferred, what, whatever your fears that you had in the past season, whatever the thing is, then it won't be possible to walk in the fullness of what God has for you in the new season. We've got to let it go. Love forgives first ourselves and then everyone in every situation. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Covers a multitude of sin, and it covered it for Peter, and love covered it for Paul, and love covers it for you and me. This past season has been hard. 
there have been things that we need to forget and we need to leave them behind. There have also been many valuable lessons learned and many treasures gained. And this new season is sure to have its trials and tribulations as well. You got to understand that's just how seasons go. <laughs> but through it all, I, I am asking for the declaration of my heart to be. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's my, my goal. Lord, I just thank you. <laughs> for your love, God, for the work, God, for the ability to encounter you. And Lord, we ask that we can look through your eyes, God, that we can, God, see with a broader view, a, a bigger perspective, a heavenly perspective, God, these things that want to come and connect to us that are not of you. But Lord, I'm asking for the grace to press on, God, to forget those things that lie behind. Lord, that we can forgive ourselves first and then forgive anything else. God, if we're struggling with something, you know, God, a lot of people are just struggling because they don't feel like they have hope anymore or because they've been so fearful and they did something here or there. Lord, I'm asking for the grace for them to be able to forgive themselves for that and to let go of it. God, you have a destiny for us. God, there is a work and you've already pre destined us to walk and advance the things that you have. And Lord, we just declare right now, we come into alignment with that word, God. And we tell you that we are the people, God, who will walk and fulfill our destinies. Lord, we will go forward. We will move forward, God. We will take a step to walk in the places that you ask us to walk to, God. Lord, and we will not put unto death our destinies. God, we're choosing love. We're choosing hope. We're choosing perseverance. And God, we choose to believe you for everything that we've prayed for in that last season. And we believe that we're going to see the fulfillment of it in this one. And I thank you, God, that Ron and Teresa are going to be here to see it to the end. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We have not talked. <laughs> Anyone that's talked to me, I mean, I've been going, it's time to move on. And for, but I had had a vision this week, and I had had a vision of God. And it was uh, a lot like the pot potter. Who are you, oh man, to, to say to God, how come you made me like this? Or how come you've got this for me? Or how come you've got this destiny for me? Or how come all of this is going on? Who are you, old man? Because God chooses and he wills and he's in control so i had this vision after i'd read that scripture and i see saw the whole of the universe and it was like a huge beautiful puzzle it was gigantic from one end the very beginning of the universe when when the world was created all the way now this part wasn't filled in yet but all the way 
to when Jesus comes again. And it was literally a panorama. And the father was sitting there in front of the puzzle. And I was on his lap. And he said, let's see. And he picked up a piece and he put it in my hand. And he said, this is your destiny. This is your call. And he was in control. His big hand was right over my little hand. And he helped me put the piece right in the place it needed to be. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not us that puts our piece in place, which is exactly what I knew. I thought, you're going to fulfill your destiny. And he's got a hold of your hand and that piece that represents everything you are. And when you just partner with his heart, he puts his peace in place. And anyway, I just saw that, and I just was like, God, you're so in control. So, Kristen, that was awesome, awesome word. Believe it is the word of the Lord. And it is maturity, Paul says, to be able to forget what lies behind. And that, that is everything, because we're going to be unfettered people. And he told me, he says, you're not going to walk in this season or sit, stand, walk. And if anybody's ever rich, Watchman Nee has a book called Sit, Stand, Walk. And he said, you've been in all those positions with me, but now you're going to get up and run because I'm going to run in you. And the Lord said, I'm going to run in all of you in this season. I don't know what that means, but get ready. Because he's going to be running, and we, we, he, and if we're going to be with him, we're going to be running with him in this season. Thank you for listening to this message. You.